Good morning. Well, I'm so excited to continue our series on signs of the times. Last week, we talked about Israel, and Israel is one of the first signs that we can look to to see what God is doing. Everything that God is going to do for the end times, the focus will be on Israel because of the covenant promise that we've been grafted in. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to please listen to that because each week is going to be built on the other. Um, so this morning, I'm going to talk about signs of the times, um, the great deception, falling away, and sexual immorality. When it comes to the end times, might get a little uncomfortable in here. Lock the doors in the back. <laughs> we need to hear this. Um, when it comes to end times, Jesus points to several things, and so does Paul. There is physical signs of the times, which I'm going to get into more next week. And then there is spiritual signs of the times. So I'm going to talk about the spiritual signs of the times, great deception, a great falling away, and sexual immorality. And I, I just want to tell you that this church, we believe that we already have the victory. Amen. I don't like any teaching that brings any fear at all. And a lot of times when we talk about end times, it is fear-based. And it's never God's heart. So the reason why he tells us this, these things, because we are called to be in the know. We're supposed to know what's going on. So when we hear these things, we're not afraid. We know it's one day closer to the Savior coming back. What the world sees as catastrophe, we see the Lord has showed us that these are the birth pains. He, he uh, likens it to birth pains. These are birth pains. And, and what happens is you get a baby afterwards. And what happens is our Savior comes back. And so we have to, anytime we talk about anything, if any fear comes up, this is where we need to go with God and say, okay, somewhere I don't have enough of your love in my heart because perfect love casts out fear. We're victorious. And here's the truth. If when the world and as the world is getting worse and worse, we actually become more victorious. Because in darkness, light, you see light more. That is the truth. And there's a holy boldness that is going to come upon us that God is going to use us for extraordinary things. I mean, I think we're going to see the, the dead raised Really, I think we're going to see revival happen, and God needs every single one of us. It's not going to be about one man and one church. It's about the body of Christ. He has equipped all of us to do these things, and he wants us to know what's going on. So as I talk about these things, about the great deception and the falling away, it's like, oh, my gosh, is anybody going to be loving the Lord? Is anybody going to stay pure? But remember, Elisha said that to God. I'm the only one serving you. He said, no. I always have a remnant. And, you know, we know from the Bible, God doesn't need that many. He wants many, but it doesn't take a lot. You and God is majority in any situation. Us in agreement with God's word is, is majority. So the scripture, you know, maybe a thousand fall by our side, but we will stand. It doesn't matter. And here's the thing I'm going to talk about next week, too. I'm getting ahead of myself, but... What we believe about God and who our God is, is how we will experience the end times. It can be victorious or not. It's not dependent on him because he already said we have the victory. But if we believe doom and gloom, we're powerless, the world is more powerful, the enemy's more powerful, then it is right, right? It's, it is so. But if we know we have the victory, we have God Almighty, Holy Spirit living in us. There, the enemy has no power over us, you guys. And God wants us to be equipped. And you know, I believe the church in America has been very comfortable. We're so blessed. We don't know what persecution is. So we get a little persecution on social media and man, we're down in the dumps. You know, the Christians in China are like, what in the world? We don't even know, but any time in the Bible there was persecution, there was great revival. Signs and wonders and miracles, because the enemy never wins. 
I'm not inviting persecution, but I believe we are already in the days of great persecution. You stand up for truth and you will be knocked down. People will try to knock you down. Okay, so today we're going to focus on spiritual signs. Matthew 24 and Luke 17 describes the days, what the days will be looked like, what the days will look like right before Jesus comes. Now, I want to write something out because, um, you know, when Jesus ascended to the Father, Jesus went to the Father. This started the last days, okay? Because what we're going to be talking about, great deception, sexual immorality, wars, you know, Jesus talked about this. We say, hasn't, hasn't that always been? Like, it, it's always been. So I want to talk about that real quick before I get into it because last week I talked about, I, I believe the end of days, see, there's last days. The last of the days happened when Jesus ascended. A new era started. Jesus came down, he died on the cross, and he ascended to the Father. He rose again, and we received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually said, it's better that I go, okay? That started a new era of last days. But the Bible talks about the end of days. That means we've, we've seen the last days, we've seen war, we've seen rumors of war. I mean, if you read history, civil war was horrible. They could have thought, is this the last days, this is the end of days. So I want to talk about that because it's kind of confusing because we've heard for the last 2,000 years Jesus is coming back. So why is it any different now? And I'm going to show you it's actually way different. Um, I like the analogy that Rick Renner uses. He says it's like a basketball game, but then it's the last two minutes as the timer is going off. And he really believes we're in the last two minutes. And he talks about it. But Birth pains, Jesus likens it to birth pains. So if you've ever been pregnant or your wife has been pregnant or you know a friend who's been pregnant and you've been there, birth pains are kind of gradual and they get worse and worse and worse. So at the very end, they're right on top of each other. This is what's happening. There has been war. There's been rumors of war. There's been famine. There has been sexual immorality. But when Israel became a nation in 1948, I believe that's when the, um, the, time stopped, the time started for the end of the last days because Israel had to become a nation. And if you don't know that, please listen to last week's. And then in the 60s, there was something called free love. I just want to tell you, love is never free. It always costs something. It's sacrifice. But something called free love. And, and this movement was the church cannot tell us about our sexuality and what's right and wrong. It's free. Sleep with anybody. Have sex with anybody. It doesn't matter. And there's no consequences. And what that started was so much immorality. If you look at history, abortion, all kinds of stuff happened right after that. Our nation has drastically changed the last even 20 years. What my kids are experiencing, I know there's been war, but there's always been a sense of God in our nation until the last 20, 30 years. And the things that are going on is because I've had five babies, I'm telling you, it's contraction after contraction after contraction with no break. There's something going on. God is speaking, and we need to sober up and see what's going on. So in Luke 17, 27 through 37, um, it talks about, I'm not going to, well, yeah, let's, let's read it. We have time. Turn with me to Luke. I want you to study Luke 17. I want you to study Matthew 24. I want you to study 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And see this for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Get in your word and ask the Holy Spirit what you need to know for you and your family. Okay, so Luke 17, starting with verse 27. This is very interesting. God wants us to know something because he is comparing these days 
to other days in the Bible. The Bible sets an example for us. We learn from history. We learn from God's word what to do, how to be prepared. So verse 24, it says, For the Son of Man returns, you will know, you will know it beyond all doubt. It will be evident as lightning that flashes across the sky. First, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, the world will be like the people in the day of Noah. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up into the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came to destroy them. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning lot left Sodom. Okay, why, what do I want to say about these things? He compares it to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Okay, so what was going on in those times, in the days of Noah and the days of Lot? Jesus clearly says that it's going to be life as normal. People were buying and selling, marrying and partying, completely clueless of God. I say that because I believe the church will be raptured. There's, there's a lot of different um, ideas on that. That's my personal belief. And I think the tribulation will not be life as normal. People will not be buying and selling, partying. I think it will be the most horrific time on earth. One, because the church is not here. And because the enemy, the Antichrist, is going to be released. Now, I believe the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of lawlessness, is already working. And it's been released. And it, it has been so intense. I feel like the last two years, the laws that have been allowed in our land are horrific. But when the spirit, what happens, the Antichrist, the devil himself, is going to come into this man to rule the earth. And it says that he is going to do signs and wonders, lying wonders and great deception. I mean, signs and wonders and great deception. And I'm going to get into that later, what that looks like. But that's one thing I, I wanted to say. I, I don't think, I mean, I think the birth pains are bad. Like, I think things are going to get bad. But I don't think it's anything like Revelation talks about the tribulation. And I'm going to talk about that next week and signs uh, um, physical signs of the times. But um, in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, there was increased violence, there was increased sexual immorality, and there was such a great falling away from the Lord. But there was a remnant who stayed pure. And that's us. They were protected, you know? And so, he, so you should go back and study those times and what that looks like. 2 Thessalonians 2 also reiterates that many will be deceived and fall away before the rapture. Because the enemy is defeated, and he knows it. But he will try to get as many as he can down with him. And he knows. He sees what's happening in Israel he knows. And so what is he doing? He is trying to throw everything possible at the very end to get many people deceived. But I believe in the tribulation, people are still going to be getting saved. There is seeds that you've sown, sown into people that you have not seen it yet. And I'm telling you, some of those seeds, unfortunately, might not come until tribulation. And then all of a sudden, they remember what you said. And they are going to be the strongest revivalists in that time. I want them saved before, but God is going to be with them, and they're going to have the Holy Spirit. Um, also, um, okay, so James said last week we talked about what's happening right now, what does God say about it, and what is our responsibility. So I'm going to talk about that. So what's happening in the nation right now? Marriages are being attacked. Babies are being murdered. Sexual immorality and violence an all-time high. I mean, did you ever think in your life they would even question defunding police and getting police out? Is that not the scariest thought in the world? They think, the, see, it's the enemy. Let's get all the cops, any, any protection we can. What is that going to do to our nation? So just these ideas where, where people are believing like it's good for us, the enemy perverts everything. 
He makes it look good and it destroys our life. That's what sin does. There's two messages I spoke in the the last year, and I want to encourage you to listen to this too. The first one was how to safeguard your life. That one is so important. I think we need to hear over and over and over again. And the second one is sin is not a problem until you say sin is a problem. Sin is not a problem for God. Jesus paid for it. The only problem is, is when we say sin is not a problem. (laughs) Because what we're saying is we're wiser and smarter than God. What you say is not true. And, and we're not able to receive the grace because we push it away. So when we say sin is not a problem, that, that means we're saying good is evil and evil is good. We exalt ourselves above the word of God and what God says. And we say, actually, I know it's best for me. And I got this, God. Okay, so... You know, I know that a lot of things have been happening. My drawing's terrible, but I still wanted to give you a visual. (laughs) A lot of things have been happening for 2,000 years. I mean, right after Jesus ascended on high, what happened? The Romans came in and completely took over. That was a horrible time. But nothing compares to the time we're having now because it's one thing after another. It's all of the signs at one time. You know that um, a meat department and our... um, our grid for um, uh, electricity got hacked into this last week. (sighs) Like, do you guys see what's going on and how the enemy's working? In one moment, he can try to take out the United States to put fear in people because he's going to do signs and wonders and lying wonders to scare us. And fear makes people cower to the enemy. And so there's such an intensity and closeness to all the events going on right now that I believe it's the end of the last days. Okay, so what does the Bible say about all these things that are happening? I'm going to go through each one because we have to be grounded in the word. We have to make what God says important to us so that we're not deceived. Jesus literally said in Matthew 24, 4, take heed. That word means to jar and shake you awake. (laughs) Like, listen to this. When he's telling the disciples and he says, take heed, that word in the Greek means I'm shaking. Listen, 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 listen to what I am saying. Do you think this is important? It does. Take heed, listen, so you are not deceived. I'm not going to be deceived, and I don't believe you're going to be deceived. I believe we are going to be the most powerful remnant that God can use in the end times. But we have to know God's word. We have to know God's word. And the reason why we want the fifth through ninth grade here is because most of the young kids do not know God's word. And so they're very confused on what's going on. They are listening to what media is saying, and they say, well, what's wrong with that? That's why we need them in here to hear this. So we go back to the beginning. I'm going to start with marriage, and we're going to go through a couple of things and what God says. Number one, marriage, Genesis 2, 18. And I'm going to go through 20. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion to help him. So the Lord formed from the soil of every kind of animal and bird he brought to Adam to see what Adam would call them. I just want to tell you here, this has nothing to do with my message, but God allowed Adam to name every animal. I think that's so powerful. The relationship. He's like, you know what? Whatever you say, I'll go with what you say. I love that. And about him, and Adam chose a name for each. He gave the names of all the livestock, birds, and wild animals, but there was still no companion suitable for him. This is going to be really important when I talk about sexual immorality and what's going on right now because it has to do with animals and humans. Okay? So just listen to this. So the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed it in the place which he had taken it. And the Lord made woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. Oh, this is verse 23. At last, Adam exclaimed, she is a part of my own flesh and bone. She will be called a woman because she was taken out of man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and joined with his wife. And the two are united as one. 
And now although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither one felt ashamed. Marriage was created by God. Therefore, God can only define marriage. Nobody else can define marriage. I don't care what law they put in the land. God said marriage is between one man and one woman. Because both male and female is God Almighty. He, he is both male and female, all the attributes of male and female. I mean, God is spirit, but I'm just saying that when it takes a male and a female for the fullness of God. Also, marriage is a picture of the church. So this in institution of marriage, God loves. We're a God of covenant. He loves covenant. He loves marriage. It was his idea. Marriage can't be anything else but male and female, one male and one female, is what God says marriage is. Amen. The world is trying to redefine marriage, and if they can't re redefine it, they will undermine it. Marriage isn't important. It's just a piece of paper. Who's heard that? It's just a piece of paper. It's not a piece of paper. Listen to me. Two become one. Two become one flesh. A soul tie is formed. When you're married, when you have sex, two becomes one. And so if we have any sex out of marriage, we are becoming one with that person, whatever it is. And it's very serious. I don't really know what happens in the spiritual realm, but it must be such a beautiful thing that two becomes one in covenant before God, and he loves it. He loves marriage. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another, for God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. Now, you know what is interesting? I don't know how long Adam was single before he got married, but I don't see Satan at all until he got married. That covenant scares him. It is such a powerful covenant when we come together. When Ben and I were in our pre-marriage counseling, they told us, we, we had a great counselor, and they said, anytime you come together in intimacy, it is the most powerful form of spiritual warfare because it's reminding you of the covenant of becoming one. The enemy hates it. Ben's like, great, we'll have a lot of sex. <laughs> we're doing warfare, baby. But it's powerful. <laughs> it's right. But it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm just getting started. <laughs> um, the devil hates marriage. The devil hates children. Do you know what the colleges are telling women? Don't procreate. Do business. Do have career. What are we called to do? Be fruitful and multiply. We are called to procreate because God loves family and wants godly offspring. It is so good to celebrate that. But it's not celebrated in our world. Marriage is not celebrated. I want to tell you something. This pride month of celebrating homosexuality and all of that stuff, all it's celebrating is the demonic spirit. It is not celebrating the human being. And I love people and I respect people. But when have we ever seen a month of celebrating marriage? Marriage is not celebrated. Having babies is not celebrated. Abortion homosexuality, adultery is more celebrated in our nation, but not always, not always. The last 30, 40, 50 years, that's it. There has been such a turn that our young kids are saying these things, and I'm thinking, where do they get this? It's because media is saying it over and over and over again. And how does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. In our house, we don't watch any television show, not even Ben and I where adultery is okay, ever, or homosexuality is okay. I do not let it in my home because I am not against the people. I'm against the spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of perversion trying to kill our children. You have to recognize it as that. And I know we're known as haters, but 
if you love truth, you will always be known as a hater. That's what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians, I'm kind of going to my notes, but 2 Corinthians 2, it says that for those who do not love truth will fall into deception. Now, what's truth? The word, Jesus Christ. That is the only truth, is the word. If we don't love this, we will fall into deception. That's what the Bible says. Um, there was, there's an interesting book called Family and, and Civilization by an author named Carl Zimmerman. And he has done studies of um, all the past nations that have fallen, but that have fallen within. It's not like another nation came and took them out. Every nation that has fallen within, and he did a study, what makes them fall and how can we stand in America? And it's so interesting because Every single civilization or nation, the number one thing they did was took away the sanctity of marriage and said it's not a big deal. First thing, first thing, study after study after study, they changed laws. The Bolsheviks came into Russia and they wanted to take over. The Bolsheviks were very socialist and Marxist and they came into Russia, but Russia had such strong families and strong marriages. There was no way in. Because as family goes, as marriage goes, so does the nation. And so what they did was start changing the laws. The very first law, no-fault divorce. You can get divorced for any reason. You don't even have to tell your spouse. The second thing they did was abortion on demand. These two things within 10 years, 10 years, left so many orphans totally destroyed the nation and it collapsed. And guess what? You know who they needed? The Bolsheviks. Because of the orphans, the poverty and what was going on. And they came in and took over a socialist and became a socialist nation. Study after study after study, the number one thing they come against is marriage. Marriage isn't important. Sleep with whoever you want. If you love each other, that is enough. Just love each other. That's not what God says. There is something about doing it God's way because God knows more than us. There is a reason why sex needs to be in marriage. It destroys people. I can't stand those movies that glorify sex out of marriage because it doesn't show the day after. It doesn't show the shame and the pain that people go through. It destroys lives, and God loves us so much. His word is to protect us so we can have such a blessed life, an abundant life. But we have to choose to do it. Now, listen, I don't care what you've done. The blood covers it. The blood covers it. God can redeem any situation. I don't care if you have slept with a 1,000 people. I don't care. The blood covers it. God is so gracious. There's nothing the blood can't do. The only problem is, and was when we say it's not a problem. That's That's the problem. It's like marriage is evil and sleeping around is good. And this is what our young people are getting day in and day out. And we wonder why suicide rate is high. We wonder why broken homes. We wonder why fatherless generation. This is why. Marriage is so important. It's not just a piece of paper. That's what the state gives us. God, it's a covenant before God Almighty. And God says, what I bring together, let no man separate. Now, listen, I'm not saying there should never be divorce. I, I, I know that there's some situations that you need to. It's abusive. I'm not saying stay in an abusive situation. The Bible even talks about some. But most divorces are because of selfish reasons and we don't want to forgive. We don't want to lay down our life. We don't want to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. We become very selfish, and if I'm not happy, I don't love you anymore. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. God chose to love us while we were the worst sinner. We didn't look very pretty then, (laughs) but he chose to love us. And how your thoughts are, your actions will follow. You think on the good about your spouse and what God is doing. 
Okay, as family goes, so does society. Right after, I'm pointing to this, I didn't put this, but you know, right here I wrote, you know, in, in the 60s, uh, 1960, and the 1970 was the free love. You see how the enemy loves to label these things? We're going to talk about the Equality Act too, which is the very opposite of equality. You put the right name on it and people are going to believe it. Free love? Really? Because free love has caused millions and millions and millions of babies to be aborted. Somebody pays for it. Right after this, in 1974, they said, you know what? Let's solve this issue of broken homes and families and kids coming out of wedlock. We'll just kill them. Let's just kill them. That will solve the problem. 1 Thessalonians 4, go with me there. And verse, well, let's start with verse 1. Now, let me tell you something about First and Second Thessalonians. This is, Paul was talking to the church and teaching about end times. All of First Thessalonians is about end times. And then a rumor, a letter went out in Paul's name and said, you guys missed the rapture. And so all of Second Thessalonians is reiterating what he said in First Thessalonians and said, remember, God's not coming back until this and this and this. Don't be deceived. And so it's so interesting to study. But in 1 Thessalonians, he's talking about what is happening. And verse 1, it said, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in a way that pleases God, as we've taught you. You are doing this already, and we encourage you to do so more and more. For you remember what we taught you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants you to be holy so you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in a lustful passion as pagans do, and in the ignorance of God and his way. Verse 6, never cheat a Christian brother in this manner by taking his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we've solemnly warned you. God has called us to be holy and not live impure lives. If anyone refuses to live by these rules, you're not disobeying human rules, but it's rejecting God who gives us the Holy Spirit. The laws of the land can change. It's about what God says. Okay, then um, 15 and 16. Go down to verse 15, the same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4. I tell you directly from the Lord, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the call of the archangel with the trumpet of God first. The Christians who have died will raise from their graves. Then together with them who we are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up. This caught up is harpazo in the Greek, and it means a sudden taken away. It actually means in the nick of time. Like in the nick of time, when things are like so bad where we're thinking, Lord, how much more will be caught up in the clouds? This is our promise. Amen. And it says, in the clouds to meet the Lord in there, remaining with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. Get excited. We are not destined for wrath. Jesus paid for the punishment of sin. We are holy and we are righteous and we are his kids. Not because of what we do, because of what he did. And I love that. And then it goes into chapter 5, which I read last week. So I'm not going to go there, but I want to so bad. <laughs> to be on guard. Do not stay asleep. Okay, I'm going to move on. Number two. First one, <clears throat> what's going on in our nation right now? Sanctity of marriage. It's not a big deal. Marriage means nothing. Marriage means everything. God honors marriage. He loves marriage. Number two, life, babies, and children. What does God say about abortion? And I want to tell you something. If you have had an abortion or somebody you know, there's so much grace. I don't want you to feel any condemnation. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have never met one person 
personally, and I met a lot of people who've had abortions, that did not feel shame and remorse. They say it's just tissue, but why is there so much shame and condemnation? Because it's not. We have to see what God says. I don't care what any doctor says. We listen to what the Lord has to say. So uh, Psalms 139, everybody doing okay? And 139, 13 and 16, but really the whole chapter is so good. Go back into the word and see what God says. This is what the Lord says. He's saying this in Psalms uh, verse 13 and through 16 is what I'll read. But the whole chapter is incredible. It said, you have made all of my delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This is what God says about babies in the uterus. He is working on them. They are his. He's designing them for purpose. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And now I know it well. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Each day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They're innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the, gra the grains of the sand. There is a book written for every baby that God has written before even conception. God has such plans. Every single one of us is God's masterpiece. It's fully baby in the womb. And then Proverbs 31, 8, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for the perishing. Abortion has become the new birth control. I know how they spin it. What about for the ones that have been raped or, or whatever? Did you know that those cases like .00000001? It, it, it's... It's hardly ever there. And the few cases, the mom still wants to keep the baby and adopt the baby out. Just because the baby wasn't in somebody's plan doesn't mean it's not in God's plan. I understand that some young girls cannot have a baby. I understand, can't take care of a baby. But there's plenty of people that will take that baby. If anybody had any excuse to abort a baby, I think it would be my mom in her situation. My mom was 18 years old. Her mom said, you're not coming back home unless you get rid of that baby. My dad was drunk, not in the picture. She had nowhere to go. 18 years old with a seven-month-old. This is a bad situation. It took one nurse to say, you know, God loves that baby. Changed her heart and said, okay, I'm going to do this. It was hard, but she did it. And my parents got remarried, had two more kids. They've been pastoring for 25 years. And I'm so thankful because God had a book written over my life. It just took one person to give my mom hope. One person. I'll help you. I'll help you. That's our job, to be available for those that are in a tough situation. So you don't have to do it alone. This baby is so precious. Life is so precious. And God is not happy about what's happening in our nation. He's not okay with it. The thing is, when things keep happening over and over, we just kind of get used to it. Like, oh, it's just what we do, you know. Like abortion just becomes this thing of God knows everyone by name, every single baby. Planned Parenthood aborts, it's like one baby every 90 seconds, something like that. Okay, the two biggest businesses or entities that support abortion, Planned Parenthood and Satanists. Go look on a Satanist website. The number one thing they are for is abortion, advocates of abortion. Planned Parenthood, if you've never seen the movie Unplanned, please see it. Planned Parenthood pretends like they're for women's rights and protect women, but it's not true. They do not care about these young girls. They do not care. My heart is to start our own little clinic. 
I want to start our own clinic, free pregnancy test, and we'll help them. I, I have so many things that I want us to do, and I think it's going to be really needed in the end times. Um, in Ephesians 2, 10, it says that we are God's masterpiece created by God for good works, and it says it was prepared long ago. God prepares and plans for us even before we're in our mother's womb. Okay, number three, and I'm going to, this is my last point, sexual immorality. The sexual immorality in our day is like none other. It's never been so much. Um, you know, even when I was a young girl, I'm 40, we didn't have cell phones and social media before our eyes. Like, we, we couldn't just connect with the entire world. I, I want to say something about social media. I do not believe we were created to know about everybody's personal life all over the world all the time. The Lord actually says live a quiet life, do what God has called you to do. But to carry what everybody is going through in that comparison of what everybody has and constantly before... It's not good for adults, but our kids, they can't process this. This is popular. This is not popular. This is what you do. This is not what you do. And knowing about everybody's life and what they're doing, that comparison, we weren't created for it. And that's why our young kids aren't doing well. I know God is using social media for good, but I don't believe our kids have the wisdom to handle it. Right now, I, I'm kind of getting, yeah, no adults. I had to get myself off it, personally. <laughs> okay, um, pornography. Before, when I was growing up, I didn't really know much about pornography. Praise God, that was never an issue in our home. But you had to go to a faraway store to get a magazine and bring it home. There was a lot of connection. Like, you had to really want it to be able to show face. But pornography is in the hands of our kids. You know what scared me most about the lockdown? Not my kids getting COVID. That all of these kids go home, don't come out, and here's a computer from school and do whatever you want. That access to pornography and sexual immaturity, I mean sexual um, immorality, they're... Um, Okay, I'm going to tell you a few examples real quick because this is coming up. Um, I have uh, my niece, and she goes to a private Christian school. And I said, how's, how's it going? And she's like, well, it's really hard because if you say no to sex before marriage, they will take your picture, they'll put it on a picture of a naked girl and send it to everybody in the school. Wow. These things that are going on with social media is humiliating. And destroying. That's just one example of what she's dealing with. This isn't a private Christian school. Can you even imagine? Not, not that I'm saying that's much better, but at least the teacher should be Christian. What's going on right now? Um, another example is um, what was I talking about? That there was another example that came to my mind. Oh, well, if it comes up, I'll tell you. Pornography, human trafficking. Human trafficking is happening because of the internet buying and selling kids. Did you know that a massage parlor was just taken down in Tempe with young kids in there? The gay and homosexuality agenda is a spirit, and we have to recognize this. I asked God for myself, how do I view this issue? And he told me, I want you to see it as the Good Samaritan story. So let me just tell you this real quick. The Good Samaritan, there was a man beaten up and wounded in the streets, right? And the priest comes by and walks right over it. It's messy, it's ugly, I'm not going to deal with it. The Levite comes by, that's messy and ugly, I'm not going to deal with it. The Samaritan, who's not even a believer, picked him up and took his wounds and nursed him and took him somewhere to get help. People that deal with homosexuality, they are wounded, you know, sin is never the problem. It, it, it's a symptom of the issue. Any sin is a symptom of what's going on in the heart. And too long the church has been, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And it's like, that's not helping anybody. Yeah. 
Because the issue is not homosexuality. The issue is not addicted to pornography. The issue is not committing adultery. The issue is wounds in the heart. And we've got to deal with it. That's why heart wounds, and we talk about the heart so much. And I don't know, maybe people are like, can we move on? But out of the heart, all the issues of life come. And I want to become the safest place for people dealing with this issue because we are the answer. The world is like the Samaritan banding them up and saying, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything's okay. We're going to celebrate it. But their wounds are still seeping. It's, they're not healing because deep inside they know something's wrong with them. Just like any of us in sin. Sin kills, steals, and destroys. We are the answer. God can heal them. God has an answer. But the problem is when we say it's not a problem. We're not helping them. I read a great book about a lady who was in homosexuality and came out. And she said, the first priest that I went to said, it's great. You can be gay. It's no problem. And she said that destroyed her heart because deep inside she knew it was wrong. But then there was a pastor who came alongside her and said, I'm going to love you. You're going to get set free and helped her through the journey. She said, truth is what set me free. Truth and love. Truth and love has to come together. And she got whole and she got married. And she's actually involved with Andrew Womack's ministry and preaches at conferences. Sexual confusion and perversion is the enemy's playbook to destroy people who are creating the image and likeness of God. Studies show that people who are in bisexual, homosexual relationships, the, the domestic violence in the home is 400 times greater you got to follow the science. you got to follow the studies. They're not happy. Sexual perversion is, is different than any other sin because it affects our body in a different way. It's sin against the body, and it's affecting people. Transgender. Transgender is trying to play God, saying, God, you don't know what's best. You are not creator. This is what I say I am. And I, I can't even keep up with this we, us, like I don't know what I am, so all these pronouns that you're supposed to know. To me, that just invites a lot of demons to come in and manifest. Sin invites the enemy to come. God's word protects us, and doing it God's way protects us. So who knows what these kids are dealing with? The Equality Act might sound good, but if you read it, if you read the Equality Act, that's going through, I think it just passed through the House, right? And it's going to the Senate. It exposes our kids. It is so against our children and women for predators to come in. It does anything but a qualify, quality. It is so horrific, the Equality Act, that they're trying to pass right now. Study it. Look at it. Call your representative. We've got to be sober and alert to what's going on. I don't want my girls growing up in a place. This Equality Act, we're going to watch a video on it, allows anybody who says they're a woman to go into the women's restroom at school or wherever. Is that not just an a, a, a opportunity for any predator to come and take advantage of our girls or a woman? Anybody can identify to whatever they want. There's so much sexual immorality right now. Do you know right now in labs, they are taking like a monkey with human seed and trying to procreate. There's so much going on with the sexual provision. Remember, God said there wasn't any animal that was going to be the right companion. They're messing with God's pure bloodline, you know, of human. There's all kinds of stuff. Well, I identify as this. I identify as this. It's playing God. I can say what I want for my body. And they can, but it invites, it invites the enemy in, and it's destroying our nation. For those who are older than 50, have you ever thought this would ever happen in your time? Can you even believe the things that are going on? And I'm not even telling you the half of it. There is so much going on right now. They're making superhumans. They're trying to get a computer chip 
inside a brain so a person connect to the cloud and know everything about everyone. Talk about false prophets. <laughs> the enemy knows nothing, but he can, he's a manipulator. Can you imagine somebody knowing everything about your life all the time and saying it out? And somebody being that smart and, and, and messing up with genes and all kinds of stuff to make these you. China and Russia right now are trying to make an army of these. It, it's facts. This is, this is on secular TV, what's happening. Don't tell me we're not in the end days. Things that I've seen in movies as a kid is becoming reality. It was prophesying of these times. Okay, so what are we called to do? I want to show two videos, but I want to say this real quick. What's happening in the world? We talked about that. What God says about it. Now, what the heck do we do? <laughs> right? <laughs> Healed people heal people. The most important thing we can do is start right with our marriage and our home. Heal your marriage. Have the best marriage possible. There is something so powerful that happens when you have a strong marriage, even if you don't say a word. When you walk into a restaurant, it is the fragrance of Christ. Uh, Nick would say it's an energy, right? It's an energy we put out. It's the Holy Spirit. It's righteousness going forth. If we all would just look at our own heart and our own home and heal that, it would transform the community around us. It's that powerful. When Ben and I walk around in society with our five kids and we truly have the joy of the Lord, not religion, but we're free in Christ and we truly love each other and we love our kids, we're a sign and a wonder to the world. They are jealous and they want it, but they don't know how to get it. You know, somebody who keeps sleeping around trying to find love, they want what we have. But if we don't have it and our homes are broken and my marriage is broken, I have nothing to offer. That's truth. What do we do? Heart check. How are you doing? How is your marriage? Fight for it. And you know what that requires? Dying to self. Forgiving. Focus on the good. And if it's an impossible situation, we have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing he can't heal. There's nothing he can't heal. And we have got to show our kids the right way, that our kids want to get married, that these girls want to have babies, that it's a good thing. It, it's, they, they so talk bad about girls who just want to get married and have babies. Like that's less than. What an honor that God would allow women to carry life. I've always seen it as such an honor that he trusts us women to birth the next generation. I can't think of a more important job. I'm not against education at all. But as, as believers, our biggest mandate is to procreate and, and to raise up the next generation, whether it's physically or spiritually, subdue and take dominion of the earth. But so many kids now are just like, it's me and mine. What am I going to do in my career and in my, my kingdom? And we're missing it. Now, I'm not saying to get married at 17, 18, 19. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is marriage is good and having babies is real good. <laughs> love without truth isn't love. Love and truth go hand in hand. I believe every human being should be honored and respected. We have no right to judge anybody. We are not called to judge the world. We are called to love the world love the world and have compassion on them. They need compassion. Jesus moved in compassion. The only place in the Bible I see where Jesus was mean to people was the religious spirit. <laughs> he loved the sinner. He was with the sinner. It's compassion and love. In Romans 1, it talks about what happens when, when people don't love truth. It's pretty bad. And then Romans 2, it says, but don't you dare judge. You were in their seats. We were all in their seats. We've all fallen short. We all need the grace of God. We should always love and honor and, and move in compassion towards people. Okay. Healed people heal people. We can't change people. But we can be set such an atmosphere that people desire 
that in their home. We are called to be the light and the salt, but don't oversalt yourself on people. It is the worst when you oversalt a meal. And some people oversalt themselves on people and they want nothing to do with it. It tastes bitter and gross. Salt in the light. We are four people, but we hate the enemy's agenda. Do not have compassion on the demonic spirits in the enemy's agenda. Okay, I'm going to close with two videos. Okay, so Joelle, can you play the first one? Hi, I'm Walt Heyer. I started my transgender journey when I was four years old. I was being cross-dressed by my grandmother, and as a result of that, I struggled with my identity all the way through my life, and I eventually underwent gender reassignment surgery, lived eight years as Laura Jensen, until I found the Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed and restored my life. I started sexchangeregret.com because I really wanted to find out if I was the only one that had regret. We had 350,000 people come to the website in 12 months, and I knew then that this was huge. Most of the people regret doesn't occur until five to 15 years after. So we're looking at the people's lives early on, two and three and four years after they had the surgery and report success. But we don't talk about these individuals 20 years later that wants to commit suicide. There'd probably be many more of them coming out like I am, except they've committed suicide, died. The Lord wants the transgender community in the church. The Lord wants them to hear the truth, that something happened to them that was horrible. But the only way to really escape pain in your life is turn it over to Jesus Christ so that the pain goes away. You know, it's never too late to be redeemed and restored by Jesus Christ. Hi, we want to let you know about some important legislation that's being considered in Washington, D.C. right now called the Equality Act. The Equality Act focuses on the fair treatment of LGBTQ-identifying people. Hi, I'm Ken Williams. I'm Elizabeth Wanning. We're both Bethel pastors and we are the founders of the Changed Movement. We both also have histories of having left LGBTQ behind and have been married to our opposite-sex uh, spouses for the last 15 or so years. The reintroduction of the Equality Act should cause us Christians to pause and reflect with Jesus on the needs of those who experience LGBTQ. It's an opportunity to pause, repent, search ourselves. LGBTQ identifying people deserve honor, dignity, and fair treatment in our society. But as the Equality Act stands today, it doesn't actually offer fair treatment. It actually twists the meanings of the words sex and gender in really invasive ways and it blurs the distinction between male and female, which will have ramifications all throughout culture and through our law. In a misguided effort to support transgender identifying people, this bill actually mandates medical and emotional care in such a way that will force doctors to support treatments against their best medical judgment. And it reverses the Hyde Amendment, which will create a scenario where abortions will now be funded again by the federal government. The Equality Act redefines the word sex in the Civil Rights Bill of 1964 to incorporate gender identity. The effect of that is that it impacts the Title IX protections that we have for women. That would make it possible for a biological male to participate as a transgender woman in women's sports or to be allowed into a women's shelter or even to apply for um, loans or subsidies that are um, restricted to women uh, for their advancement in our culture. The Equality Act will also make it much more difficult for people to walk out their faith convictions and biblical convictions by removing RIFRA, which is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. So no longer will people be able to have a shield, RIFRA, that's protecting them from the federal government coming in and discriminating against their religious beliefs. So please, contact your senator today and tell them that you oppose the Equality Act. Just go to changedmovement.com forward slash take action. Take a few minutes to follow the easy steps that you'll find there.
So there's a lot going on, and there's a lot more to that as well. They're trying to make laws that if our children want to change their gender and we are not for it, they will take children out of our home. I mean, like, this is serious, you guys. Our world, our nation will not survive. It will crash, and it's going to because Jesus is coming back. I want to tell you, he's coming to rule and reign on earth, and it's going to be so good. But last week I had talked about we need to sober up and watch. Keep our eyes on Israel and what God's doing. We need to know the word and stand up for truth. The best thing we can do is deal with our own heart. I'm telling you, with healed people, heal people. We can give so much when we're whole and our marriage is whole and just working on that. Our eyes isn't to fix other people. All we can do is fix ourselves. But families create society. Whole families change a nation. And I, I mean emotionally, spiritually healed people change society. That's what it's made up for. I don't care what laws of the land they change. If the church is strong, it won't affect our nation. We are way stronger. So stand up. I want to pray. I want, I want to tell you, young people, do not have sex before marriage. I am telling you that sex is so good God's way. Society is lying to you. Save. It's the most precious thing you can give somebody, and you want to give it to somebody who will commit to you in covenant. You deserve that. You are so valuable. And if you've had sex before marriage, break the soul tithe. You've become one, but that is so easy for God to restore. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you stay pure. God would never call us to do something that's impossible. And so breaking the soul tight, anybody on the ministry team can help you. You can come see me. Jimmy Evans has a great book on it. There's so much to do. Maybe you had, you know, sex before you got married and never broke a soul tight. And maybe sex in marriage isn't great. It could be because of that. God can heal that. It's so easy for the Lord. But we've got to recognize it. Any inroads that the enemy has, sometimes we're just clueless. Intimacy in marriage is so, so good unless we have allowed the enemy to come steal, kill, and destroy, and it's time we take that back. So I want to encourage you, if you struggle with any sexual immorality, we are a safe place. The men's group, there's so many mighty men in this place that you could trust and get healing from. You and the Lord can do it. Repenting, that means change the way you think. This is not right. The enemy has no authority in my life. It's cutting off the door to the enemy in your life. Pornography, whatever it is, and healing our hearts and healing our marriages so we can be light and salt in the earth. So let's just pray. God, we thank you that we are victorious. We are your remnant, that we will not be tainted by the world. We say today we love truth. It's so good for us. Truth sets us free. We love the blessing of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord that leads us to true joy and peace and abundant life that you have for us. So God, we give you permission to point out in our lives what is not okay. Would you show us if there's any areas, even in our past, that we've allowed the enemy in and how to close the door? that we will be pure and holy and heal our marriages, God. Heal our homes. That we can go off the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go, even without words. We, we are changing the atmosphere around us. People long to have what we have because of what you did, Jesus. And I just pray right now if there's anybody dealing with condemnation from the enemy I am telling you God will never condemn you and if any part of my message made you feel condemned that is the enemy and I silence the enemy you are holy you are pure and you are bought with the blood of Jesus we cannot earn salvation the only reason why Jesus talks about sin is because what the enemy can do. He loves you. He's for you. He's not disappointed in you. 
Don't let your past rule your future. I don't care what your past looks like. The blood is enough. If we're stuck in the past, it's like saying the blood is not enough. The blood is enough. No condemnation. If you need healing from abortion, um, anything like that, any, any um, soul ties, any sexual perversion, it's here for you, God. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. You know, I just want to pray over soul ties. I want you to receive this right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, any soul tie we had before covenant, we break it off in the name of Jesus. We close that door. We take back the part of ourselves that we gave away. And you restore back to our soul, God. Any attachment, anything that was attached to that person, we break it off and we invite the blessing of the Lord in our lives. Blessing over intimacy and marriage. Where it hasn't been good, you would make it so good. It's a gift you've given us, God that you would restore it in our lives. We should be having the best intimacy than anybody else in the world because we have the Holy Spirit and you made it. Heal, heal hearts, heal marriages, heal homes. Lord, you would show us how to raise our kids in these days, Lord, how to protect them. For each one of us, it's going to be different, but we hear the voice of the Lord and we will not raise our kids in fear. <laughs> they are victorious. You tell us how to raise them. They are going to be the salt and the light. People are going to learn from our kids. They're going to be the prophetic voice. We thank you for the giftings and callings on our kids and you would use them. You decided they would be born in this time. That means... You know, and they're fully equipped, and we are fully equipped. What an honor that you would cho choose us for the end days because you knew we'd be strong and lovers of truth and lovers of you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.